Calling all trivia nerds, Brittany here, and I host the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast with my best friend, Meredith. Is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest? We've got the cure. Three rounds of awesome trivia every week. Harry Potter, Disney, science, sports, you name it. No more silent car troubles. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Connect, laugh, and learn with your kids, big and small. (laughs) New episodes every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Hi, it's the Reading Mug. Here to tell you that today's episode is sponsored by Random House Kids and their amazing new middle grade book, The World Ends in April by Stacey McAnulty. Please help support our sponsor by purchasing this and other fantastic books by Random House Kids at thereadingbug.com or your local independent bookstore. Hi, reader. Welcome back for part two of our Arctic adventure. Part one was released earlier, so be sure to listen and get all caught up. If you remember, we travel to the North Pole. Well, close to it anyway, since the North Pole is in the middle of the ocean. We're on the northern slope of Alaska, the closest part of the United States to the North Pole, the very top of the world. Just like me and the reading bug, I'm sure you're excited to get back to our adventure. But before we go, I have a few people to thank. Reading Bug Adventures is mixed and mastered by Resonate Recordings and made possible by our sponsors and listeners like you. To learn more about how you can support us, please visit our page at patreon.com slash readingbugadventures. Hello and thank you to our newest patrons, Lillian and Eleanor in North Carolina. You're part of what makes our Reading Bug Adventures possible. Did you know that the stories and music for our podcast are all original? That's right. They're imagined, written, performed, and produced by the team at The Reading Bug, our independent, family-owned children's bookstore. Learn all about us and shop for millions of books at thereadingbug.com. You can also support The Reading Bug by becoming a Reading Bug box subscriber or gifting a subscription to every young reader you know. Reading Bug Box is a monthly delivery of books and gifts hand-selected to match the unique age, interests, and reading level of every child. It's a perfectly personalized gift for any newborn, toddler, or young reader in your life. Subscribe today at readingbugbox.com. Okay, now let's get back to the Arctic. In part one, we made it to Alaska's North Slope and met a new friend, Tapiza, and her dog sled team. We also saw some amazing Arctic animals, including a polar bear cub and his mama, who shook and shimmied on her belly to get them both safely off melting and cracking sea ice. Are you ready to get back to our adventure? Great! Let's all imagine ourselves back to the Arctic together. Ready? Let's fly! It's a reading bug adventure. There's lots of fun in store. Just inside our book bag, there's new places to explore. Grab your crayons and paper and your imaginations too. The Reading Bug and I can't wait to share our trip with you. Oh, good! Reader, you're back! We still have a lot of exploring left to do up here in the Arctic. If you remember in part one of our adventure, the Reading Bug's book bag took us to the northern slope of Alaska the closest part of the United States to the North Pole. When we arrived, we met our new friend, Tapiza, a native Inupiat. Welcome back, reader. 
Tapiza has been kind enough to carry us through the frozen Arctic on her dog sled, pulled by eight beautiful Alaskan Huskies. And we just witnessed a mother polar bear rescue her cub off thin and cracking sea ice. It was an incredible rescue that thankfully had a happy ending. And now mom and cub are resting together on the shore. Tapiza, it looks like the mother bear has a large number written in black on her back. What is that? Oh, I know. I read about it in The Polar Bear Scientist by Peter Lorre. Scientists are trying to keep track of the polar bear population, which has been declining due to the effects of global warming on the snow and ice in the Arctic. To do that, they find and capture polar bears, put tags on their ears and numbers on their skin, and then release them back into the wild, where they track their movements and behavior. Sometimes they also paint numbers on the polar bears' backs, which disappear over time as the polar bear sheds fur so they can easily spot the bear when flying overhead in helicopters. That's right. Because polar bears are white, they are camouflaged against the white ice and can sometimes be hard to see without the number on their back. I remember that word, camouflage, from our safari adventure. Camouflage is the way that some animals are able to disguise their appearance to blend in with their surroundings. Many Arctic animals that are brown or gray in the summer turn white in the winter so that they will blend in with the snow and be harder to spot like arctic wolves and foxes. And arctic hares also turn white in the winter. You're going to need to look closely if you want to see more wildlife. But why don't we get going again and see what we can find on our way back to my home? Do you remember what I say to get the sled dogs running again? I sure do. Hike! Reader, let's say it together so the dogs will start running and pulling our sled. Ready? One, two, three. Hike! Whee! Tapiza, you said we're heading back to your home? Can you tell us more about where you live? Sure. I live in the city of Utkiavik, which also used to be called Barrow. It is the very closest U.S. city to the North Pole, even though we're still more than a thousand miles away from it. The Inupiat people have lived in Utkiavik for hundreds of years. In the old days, we spent most of our time hunting for whales, because whales provide us with almost everything we needed to survive in this freezing Arctic climate. Whale meat for food, skin and bones to make our boats, sleds, houses, and clothes, whale bone for tools and art, and whale fat, which is also called blubber, to keep us warm for soap, candles, and just about everything else you can imagine. Wow, I didn't realize that whale could be used for all that. Yes, it can be, and although whale hunting isn't an essential part of our survival anymore, it is still a part of our history and culture and there are still people living in Utkiavik that use the whales we are allowed to hunt in the way our ancestors did hundreds of years ago. Utkiavik is a small town. Only about 4,000 people live there. Some schools in the United States have that many students, or even more. It's also very cold here. Most of the year, temperatures are below zero degrees Fahrenheit. A few months out of the year, though, the temperature can rise above freezing like they are today although it's still not very warm, as you can tell. Wow, below zero degrees is really, really cold. It is. It's so cold that trees can't even grow here. Our little city is 300 miles from the nearest tree. We don't have many restaurants, museums, or other sites to see in our town, and we only have one traffic light. But visitors still make their way around our town to see the wildlife that lives all around us, especially the polar bears. Oh, whoa, whoa! Reader Lauren, reading bug, take a look to our left. We're nearing the harbor, 
which is a great spot to see some ocean animals. Can you spot anything? Oh, yes, I can! Do you see them too, Reader? There are lots and lots of big, blubbery, gray animals. And they have long tusks sticking out of their mouths. Yes, I see them too. They look like they're sunbathing on the shore. They have wrinkled brown skin and great big flat flippers. And listen, they are snorting and bellowing to one another. Tapiza, what are those animals? They look a little bit like seals. But I've never seen any seal with tusks before. Oh yes, those are walruses, reading bug. Walruses come to the Arctic in the spring to feed on the fish before heading south for the winter. They use those big tusks in many ways to pull themselves out of the water and to break breathing holes into the ice when they're in the ocean below. Just like the polar bears, walrus are struggling with the warming weather and are on the verge of becoming an endangered species. They depend on the sea ice for nursing and raising their calves, and it's disappearing faster and faster. Oh, and look carefully. Do you see some other animals at the harbor with the walruses? Yes, I do. I think I see some seals out on the floating ice in the water. Is that what they are, seals? Yes, very good eyes, Lauren. Those are harp seals. They spend most of their time diving and swimming in the icy waters of the Arctic Ocean. Harp seals are sometimes called saddleback seals because of the dark marking on their back and sides of their gray bodies that looks a bit like a saddle you might put on a horse. Can you see it? The baby seals are born on the sea ice and they are famous for their beautiful snowy white coats. Aha! Another Arctic animal that uses camouflage to blend in with its surroundings, right? That's right. Lots of our wildlife here in northern Alaska live underwater, so we won't be able to see the bowhead, killer and gray whales, or gray tusk narwhal whales in the oceans here today. Narwhal? Like in Narwhal and Jelly by Ben Clanton, the unicorn of the sea? Lauren, reader, narwhal are amazing. They're whales with an enormous horn that sticks right out of the top of their head, like a unicorn. Oh, how I wish we could see one. Sorry, reading bug. Unless you want to go for a very chilly swim, we can't see any narwhal from here. We also can't see the billions and billions of tiny plankton that feed the birds and the sea animals all around them. But let's head toward the tundra now. I'm sure we'll see some wildlife there. Hmm, that's another new word. Tundra. What is tundra? Tundra is the cold, treeless area of the Arctic, where the lower layer of the soil is permanently frozen. The top layer thaws and can support low-growing mosses, grasses, and small shrubs that feed the reindeer, moose, hares, and other animals that are herbivores. Let's get this sled moving again. Ready? One, two, three, hike! Pizza, your dogs are really fast, and I've never been on a dog sled before, but I think you're an excellent musher. Thanks, reading bug. I absolutely love dog sledding and, like I said before, I dream of competing in the Iditarod dog sled race someday. But I read in If You Were a Kid at the Iditarod by Josh Gregory that the race takes more than eight days to complete and that it's a very, very long ride through cold and snowy rough terrain. That sounds like a really tough race to complete, let alone win. Oh, it is, which is why I want to do it. It's the ultimate test of skill and determination for a musher and her sled dogs. The race is more than 900 miles, and for most of it, you're out in the wilds of Alaska, all on your own. 
The race starts in Anchorage, Alaska's biggest city, and finishes farther north in Nome. Last year, my dad and I traveled to Nome to see some of the sleds cross the finish line. I still have a lot of training to do, but someday I'll cross that finish line too. What an exciting and ambitious goal, Tapisa. It has to take a lot of skill to get through the cold of Alaska. But how do the dogs travel that far? They must be exhausted. Oh, they are. But there's a lot of strategy to the race, too. You have to decide when to rest and feed yourself and your team and how much gear to take with you. Sometimes, the mushers carry one or more of the dogs in the sled with them if they're really too tired to run. Many racers use very different strategies, and many sleds don't finish because their dogs get too tired and can't go any further. And, of course, strategies need to change when the weather changes, too. If a storm rolls in, things can get very interesting. And dangerous, too. It's a really exciting race for all those reasons. It sure sounds like it. Did you know that only two women have ever won the Iditarod? Libby Riddles was the first woman to win in 1985. And then Susan Butcher was the first person to ever win three consecutive races in 1986, 1987, and 1988. They're kind of heroes to me, and I hope to follow their footsteps. A woman hasn't won since Susan's last win, but every year, nearly 30% of the mushers are women, so I'm sure we'll see another one win soon. Whoa, whoa! Lauren, Reader, Reading Bug, look up ahead! Wow! Look, Reader, there must be hundreds of animals in the tundra ahead! All of them are moving together across the snow. They're tall, brownish-gray animals with thick, wide hooves that are stomping slowly over the ice and snow as they move. And every one of them has antlers on the tops of their heads. Some of the antlers are enormous! Look! Tapisa, what kind of animal is that? Those are caribou, or you may also know them as reindeer. Reindeer? Like Rudolph and Prancer and Dancer and Vixen and... (laughs) Yes, Lauren. Except these reindeer don't fly. At least not through the air. They do get around, though. A herd like this one can migrate over 50 miles in just one day. And they spend most of the year moving across the tundra. Either to find warmer weather, better food, or to avoid predators. And even the female reindeer have antlers. Right, Tapisa? That's right, Reading Bug. You sure have studied your Arctic animals. Caribou are the only kind of deer where the females and males both have antlers. They lose their antlers each year, and they grow back even bigger than before. But you can still tell the male and female reindeer apart. Look, for one thing, the males are bigger, and their antlers are bigger too. See? The necks of the adult male caribou are also bigger, and often grayer, and you can see how the skin around their neck hangs down, almost like a beard. And what kind of animals are those, Tapiza? Look there, behind the herd of reindeer, are some gray animals on the hill. Those are gray wolves, following behind the herd of reindeer. They often hang behind looking for younger or weaker reindeer that are unable to keep up, then charge in to separate them from the pack so they can enjoy a tasty reindeer meal. The reindeer are faster than the wolves, but a pack of wolves is much more tricky and clever and can easily outsmart a single reindeer. Wolves are also much faster than we are, even in our sled. So let's stay put for a little while and see if we spot any more Arctic animals. I don't want to catch the attention of the wolves. Sure, Tapisa. Reader, 
Let's hop out of the sled and see what else we can see in the tundra in front of us. Oh, take a look over there. Is that an owl on the ground? Is it hurt? Oh, yeah. Look, reader, it's an owl. Not too far away, just to our right. It looks like Harry Potter's owl, Hedwig. That's all white with a few gray feathers on its chest and thick gray feet. And it's just standing there on the ground, looking at us. I thought owls were nocturnal. Nocturnal? That means an animal that sleeps during the day and is awake at night. Very good, reading bug. And you're right, most owls are nocturnal. But snowy owls, like that one, who live in the cold of the Arctic, are active during the day, especially in summertime. They also spend a lot of time on the ground, since there are no trees nearby. And look up! I think that's a bald eagle flying around above us! See? It's got a brown body and a head that is so white, it looks bald. I see it! It's flying up high in the sky, like it's looking for something down below on the ground. Its wings are almost completely flat, and they're not moving at all. He looks like he's floating in the air like a kite. How beautiful. I have to flap my wings really hard when I want to fly, but he makes it look really easy. You're right again. That is a bald eagle, the national emblem of the United States of America. And that one looks like he's looking for food. Eagles love to scoop fish out of the rivers or to grab rabbits, squirrels, muskrats, or sometimes foxes from the grass of the tundra. Uh-oh. I think those gray wolves may have spotted us. Let's quickly get back onto the sled and get out of here. I don't want us to give those big bad wolves a chance to get any closer to us. Lauren, reader, quickly back in the basket. Tapeza, look! One of your lead dogs, Ketchikan, seems to have tangled himself in his harness while we were stopped. Should we fix it? I'm afraid there's no time. The gray wolves have definitely seen us. Ketchikan should be okay for a bit while we get out of harm's way. Once we're clear, we can stop and fix his harness. Hurry up, let's go! Okay! Reader, quickly into the basket of Tapeza's sled! Sit right here between my legs! Great! Okay, everyone ready? Hold on tight! I'm going to run the dogs fast for a bit. Ready? Hike! All right, let's go, go, go! Straight ahead! Lauren, reader, reading bug. Let's run all the way to Utkiavik and see where I live, okay? I can show you... Ah! Yiger! <laughs> what was that? Oh no! Look! It's Ketchikan! He's escaped his harness and is running free of the sled! And with only one lead dog left, we're veering off to the left! Careful! Watch out! Whoa! Whoa! Everybody stop! Ketchikan, no! Stop! Come back! We need to go out after him. Here, hop out of the basket and help me set the ice hook. No, no, you have to stay here. We'll bring him back, I promise. Ketchikin, stop, wait. Reader, reading bug, quickly, let's follow Tapiza and see if we can stop Ketchikin. Hurry! Ketchikin! Stop running! Stop, come back, come back! He's too fast. Without the weight of the sled and its riders, he's dashing through the snow. We'll never catch up with him on foot. No! Please stop! Whoa, whoa! Ketchikin! Wait, look! 
I can't believe it, but he stopped. It worked. Up ahead, Ketchikan is finally standing absolutely still. Hurry, let's go get him before he starts to run again. Good dog. Good boy. Thank you for stopping, pal. Oh no! Wait! Don't move! Reader, stop. I think something's wrong. Tapiza, what's going on? We're... We're on thin ice. There must be a river or a lake beneath us, and the ice is thawing in the warming weather. Ketchikan only stopped because he realized he was in danger. And now, so are we! Everyone, stay absolutely still while we figure out what to do. It's okay, boy. We'll figure this out. Reading bug, reader, we're not even moving, and the ice is continuing to crack and creak beneath us. We need to come up with a plan and fast, or we're going to end up in the freezing water beneath us. We're on thin ice. We're on thin ice. We're on thin reading bug. Let's all get very close to the ground and spread our arms and legs. Look, Ketchikan is following our lead and shimmying too. Good dog. Shimmy left. Shimmy right. I see land within our sight. We're off the Thanks to Mama Polar Bear for showing us what to do. That was a really close call. It sure was. Thank you for your help. Let's get Ketchikan harnessed again and get back home. That sounds like a plan. Reader, let's get back in the basket again and get moving. I'm really eager to put that thin ice and the gray wolves behind us. Okay, on the count of three, and hopefully for the last time today, Let's get this team of dogs moving with a big, loud hike. Everybody now. One, two, three. Hike! I'm so sorry to have put you in danger today. The warming weather is changing things all around us, and everyone who lives here in the Arctic, including me, is trying to learn how to adjust to the changes. It's not your fault, Tapisa. And I sure am glad all of us, including Ketchikan, were able to make it back safely. Climatologists who have been tracking the Earth's temperature say that it has increased about 1.5 degrees Fahrenheit in the last 100 years. That may not sound like much, but the scientists think that this small temperature increase has caused coral reefs in the ocean to die and glaciers to melt. Unless we make changes in the way we live, 
Scientists expect that the climate will warm by even more. You're right, Reading Bug. It's everyone's responsibility to help protect our planet. Look, we're back. Reading Bug, Reader, Lauren. Just up ahead is the city of Utkiavik and my igloo. Igloo? Do you really live in a home made out of ice blocks, Tapisa? <gasps> Amazing! <laughs> no, no, Lauren. Lots of people think that igloos are made out of snow. But in our language, igloo just means home, whether it's made out of snow or brick or wood. In the past, Inupiat made their winter homes out of ice and snow, and their summer homes out of animal skin, stretched over a frame made from driftwood and whalebone. But now we live in a house just like you, except that our walls are a lot thicker to keep out the cold. We also build our houses on stilts so they won't melt the permafrost. Permafrost? That's another new word for me. What does it mean? Permafrost is the topmost layer of soil. We call it permafrost because it remains frozen all year. Get it? It's permanently frozen. As you can see, our city isn't all that different from other cities you may have seen. Just smaller and colder. Oh my goodness! What's happening? Reading bug, reader, look up at the sky! It's alive with light! Is this an alien invasion? Or maybe a magic spell from Easton and the Spelling Bee? I've never seen anything like it. There's waves of red, blue, purple, and green streaking through the sky. <laughs> Lauren, this is definitely not an alien invasion. It's what we call the Aurora Borealis, or the Northern Lights. Oh yes, I've read about the Northern Lights. They appear when tiny particles stream out from the sun and hit the Earth's atmosphere. The particles give some of their energy to atoms and molecules of gases in the upper atmosphere but the atoms and molecules can't hold the energy. They quickly give it off as another kind of energy, the colors of light, that we call the aurora. That's right. Northern lights have lit up the Arctic sky for hundreds and hundreds of years. When our Inupiat ancestors looked into the northern lights, they saw images of their family and friends and animals dancing in the next life. Tonight, I see our Arctic animal friends dancing in the sky. Do you see it too, friends? Oh, yes, I do. I see so many of the animals we saw today. Our beautiful sled dogs, the white polar bears, the gray-brown reindeer, the bald eagle soaring in the sky, the snowy owls perched on the tundra. And I can see ocean friends, too. Walrus, seals, narwhals, and more. I can't wait to get home and draw pictures of these animals dancing in the northern lights. They're incredible. They are. No matter how many times I see them, I'm always amazed. These lights occur most often around the North and South Poles, but no one can predict when. So you are very lucky to see them today. A perfect and beautiful end to an incredible adventure, don't you think? End? I think so, yes. It's been a long day full of incredible adventures, amazing animals, and new friendships. But every adventure must come to an end, and now it's time for us to head back home. Tapiza, we'll remember everything we learned today, and we'll make sure to tell our friends and family about the beautiful sights and endangered wildlife here in the Arctic. Thank you for taking us on such a wonderful adventure. We won't say goodbye, because I hope that we'll see you again. Maybe at the finish line of the Iditarod. Yes, I'll be there someday for sure. Lauren, my dogs and I will never forget you, Reader, and the Reading Bug. It was wonderful to have met you and to have the opportunity to share the sights and stories of my home with you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Look, Reader, 
The reading bug is opening her book bag, and it's getting bigger and bigger, big enough for us to all fit inside. Okay, are you ready? Let's all flap our wings and fly back home together. Hop three times with me, then into my book bag. Here we go. One hop, two hops, three hops, and we're in. We've had a big adventure within our book bag, and I think we saved the day. We'll see you next time. Goodbye, book bag. Now it's time to fly away. Here we go. Look, reader, we're leaving to Pisa, the city of Ukiavik, and the dog sled and the dogs behind us. Tapiza is waving goodbye as we disappear and begin our magical trip back home. What an amazing adventure! Thanks for taking us to the Arctic today, Reading Bug. It was my pleasure. I'll never forget all the things we saw and learned today. The amazing rescue of the baby polar bear by its mama, Tapiza and her dog sled team, the herd of reindeer—it was all so wonderful. Yes, and the walruses, the seals, the bald eagles were amazing too. I can't decide what my favorite part of today's adventure was. What was yours, reader? I think the most important thing I learned about today was the impact of rising temperatures on all the incredible animals and people of the Arctic. We can all do our part to help protect the planet by turning lights off when we're not home and walking or riding bicycles instead of driving when possible. That's right, reading bug. We had an amazing day today, and I hope when we go back we'll see the polar bears, walruses, and other animals thriving. If you loved today's adventure like I did, and want to have even more adventures in the Arctic, or learn more about the amazing and endangered Arctic animals, you can read any of the books in my book bag. A complete list can be found at thereadingbug.com/adventures. We're back. As fun as that adventure was, I'm happy to be back in warmer weather. <laughs> You're right. We are back. Thanks for joining us today, reader, and for all your hard work. If we're going to keep the Arctic animals safe and healthy long into the future, I know I can count on your help because when you're a reader, you're a leader. You're ready to learn about everything as you grow. You'll show this world that you can be anything. You could write a book or fly a plane, build a house with a giant crane. Whatever you do, one thing will be true: there's nothing you can't do. You can see it through just by being you. Cause you're a reader, you're a leader. You're ready to learn about everything as you grow. You'll show this world that you can be anything. You could sing your way into a Broadway show. Don't let anyone tell you no. Whatever you do, one thing will be true. There's nothing you can't do. You can make your dreams come true just by being you. Thank you for adventuring with us, reader. That was an incredible trip. I'll play music in just a minute, and the reading bug and I can't wait to see all the amazing things you draw. I'm already looking forward to our next adventure together. Goodbye. Goodbye. We'll see you soon. It's a reading bug adventure. There's lots of fun in store. Just inside our book bag, there's new places to explore. Grab your crayons and paper, and your imaginations too. The reading bug and I can't wait to share our trip. 
episode is sponsored by Random House Kids and their amazing new middle grade book, The World Ends in April by Stacy McAnulty. Oh, reading bug, that sounds so intriguing. Lauren, is middle school drama scarier than an asteroid heading for Earth? What? Reading bug, that's a funny question. What would make you ask something like that? Well, I'm reading this extraordinary book called The World Ends in April. I can't wait to see what happens next. When Eleanor Dross reads a prediction that an asteroid will strike Earth in April, Eleanor knows that her family will be prepared, but her classmates are a different story. So she starts a super secret end of the world club. You can't really prepare for everything life drops on you, can you? In this book, one way or another, Eleanor's world is about to change. I can't wait to find out what happens with Eleanor and the asteroid. This book is really out of this world. I'm turning the pages almost as quickly as I'm flapping my wings. Well, I'll let you get back to reading then, Reading Bug. The World Ends in April by Stacey McAnulty is perfect for young readers ages 8 to 12 years old. And you can purchase it right now at thereadingbug.com or your local independent bookstore. Thank you to Random House Kids for their support. And thank you for joining our adventure today. I'm Lauren Savage, and today's adventure was an original story written by Diane and Brandon Savage. This episode was performed by me, Chloe Savage, and Chesney Everett. Original music was written by me and Ross Gruet, and sound mixing and mastery was by Resonate Recordings. The Reading Bug is a family-owned independent bookstore in California, and we're passionate about educating, entertaining, and engaging children of all ages. Learn more about us at thereadingbug.com and our personalized subscription service at readingbugbox.com. And please support passion, expertise, and creativity in children's literature by continuing to shop with us or other local independent booksellers. Thank you. Goodbye.
Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.